electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Cameron Costa. Today on our podcast, over-the-counter at-home COVID tests approved by the FDA with accuracy comparable to a PCR. That's right. Q Health has answered some of our pandemic prayers. CEO Ayub Katak. We're really excited about trying to catalyze a shift from centralized health testing model towards making a more accessible, convenient, easy-to-use healthcare system. Plus a testing treat from one of our own. You swab, everyone gets to see me putting up my nose. You do it up your nose on both sides, <laughs> like this. That was like your Katie Couric colonoscopy moment. Is the molecule the new microchip? Author Walter Isaacson on the ethics of CRISPR and the evolution of humanity and science. We could transform health in this country health around the world and the human race. Those stories, plus a hack at Microsoft, a trip to Disney, and the royal conversation that's breaking the internet. You know what you realize? The real queen is Oprah. It's Monday, March 8th. Happy International Women's Day. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Andrew Ross Sorkin and Mike Santoli. Joe's off today, sleeping in just a little bit, but Mike, it's good to have you here. I want to talk about the Royals and Oprah, but we're <laughs> going to talk about Washington right now for a moment. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get to Oprah and the Royals, I hope. And so, we have to at some point. I mean, come on. Uh, but we had a huge piece of news over the weekend, almost as big as the Royals, in fact. Uh, the Senate passing President Biden's $1.9 trillion uh, stimulus package over the weekend. It now heads to the House. And Eli Moy joins us now with more on that. And she can also weigh in uh, on Oprah and the Royals if she would like to as well. Good morning. Well, Andrew, I, I didn't get a chance to watch the interview because I was so busy following all the ins and outs of this relief package. As you would. Which is now headed for a final vote. That's my drama. That's my drama. The, the bill is now headed to a final vote in the House after some last-minute uh, haggling in the Senate over the weekend. Democratic Senator Joe Manchin held up this process for nearly 12 hours as he pushed to scale back that boost in jobless benefits. The amount will now be $300 a week instead of $400, but they'll last one week longer, ending on September the 6th. In addition, the first $10,200 in benefits will be tax-free for households earning less than $150,000 a year. Now, in the end, Democrats did hold the line and pass the bill Saturday afternoon. Republicans, they also stuck together, with every GOP senator voting against it. At the White House later, President Biden acknowledged that the politics weren't always pretty, but he said the relief was urgently needed. This plan puts us on a path to beating the virus. This plan gives those families who are struggling the most the help and the breathing room they need to get through this moment. This plan gives small businesses in this country a fighting chance to survive. Now, the House plans to vote on this package on Tuesday, guys. That gives the president plenty of time to sign this into law before those unemployment benefits run out at the end of the week. Back to you. Okay. Uh, Elon, well, here, here we have a deal. Here we have a deal after all this time, right? Um, so if, if, when's the first time you get the check? If, when, do you, when do you start ha having to yeah. look in the mail for the check? 
Okay, so first, the House does have to vote, and the president does have to sign it, but right. Biden said over the weekend that he expects the checks to be able to go out sometime later on this month. What we saw in December, once the last COVID relief package was passed, was that it took about a week for those first checks to start hitting bank accounts. So, you know, that seems like a realistic time frame. It could take a little bit longer if you're actually receiving a paper check in the mail, though. And, and what about checks to, to school systems and municipalities and states that are going to distribute all this money? I mean, one of the great debates about this was just how much of it gets spent today versus getting pushed out to 22, 23, and 24 and, and beyond. Yeah, so there is there is a lot of discussion about that, and it's unclear exactly how fast some of this money will get to school systems. And even if all the money were to arrive tomorrow, how quickly they could spend through that. Some of the arguments for that is that, you know, some of this money was intended to be spent over time. You think about unemployment benefits, for example. That's something that you need a big pot of money because it gets drawn down over the course of, you know, several weeks or months. It's not something that someone gets in one lump sum. So some of these dollars will take some time to work through the system. Democrats say that's intentional. Republicans say that's a sign uh, that uh, some of the money may not be as necessary and as urgent as President Biden likes to argue. Okay. Elon, thank you. Always good to see you. We'll, we'll talk about the. We're going to have Wilf call into the show. Maybe. maybe that's what we need to do. We have to have Wilf call into the show and give us a play-by-play on what his take is on all of this. Anyway, Elon, thank you again. Becky? I don't know. I, Andrew, I, I didn't watch it last night. I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. It's a business story. You know, they, they brought in, I think, seven to nine million dollars that CBS paid for this. They paid to. It was uh, a business to, to story. Production and it's company. a business story for, so for it's them. It's a business story. You for, think about for, the amount of money that they made from advertising on this. You think about um, how that all kind of plays out. I didn't watch it because, honestly, I have a real soft spot for both Harry and for William. I've always had empathy for them because of everything they've been through. And I, I don't want to watch families tear each other down, you know. So I didn't watch. It, there was a um, a Real Housewives of of Westminster going on or something. I don't know what was happening, yeah. but it was fascinating. Um, and but you know what you realize? Sad. And and uh, uh, I think Brooke Hammersley had, uh, had it on Twitter. Never the, the, No, the real queen is Oprah. The real queen is Oprah. She, she's figured out I did how to see do some this incredible things. This I mean, she's an amazing interviewer. She's an amazing interviewer. But um, yeah. I, it's not that I'm not curious, definitely curious, but um, didn't watch. How about you, Mike? No, I, I didn't. You know, again, staying uh, a little bit uh, uh, on brand, did not watch it. Although I don't think you had to watch it because if you were paying attention to headlines or social it. media, uh, you were getting play by play pretty well. <laughs> anyway, I feel All-Star like I know everything that happened, even though I didn't watch. What? Any All-Star game? All-Star game? Basketball? No, I was, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a, you know, it wasn't a this channel or that channel type of thing. Just... Uh, Stay tuned out. Yeah. Okay, I was switching around a little bit. Interesting. The White House, by the way, uh, is urging computer network operators to take steps to determine whether their systems were targeted in a hack of Microsoft Outlook. Microsoft blames the attack on China. The administration says there are still serious vulnerabilities that hackers could exploit even after Microsoft issued a patch. Sources say as many as 60,000 U.S. organizations may have been hit by the hack including credit unions, local governments, and small businesses. 
Disney's new animated movie, Raya and the Last Dragon, topped a sluggish weekend at the box office. The movie, which was also available for purchase on Disney+, Plus, pulled in $8.6 million amid continued signals of a tough road ahead for the movie industry. By the way, that $8.6 million was just in the movie theaters, not those people who paid to watch it on Disney Plus at home. The film didn't appear in Cinemark theaters. That's the third largest U.S. exhibitor. A representative told Deadline that the company was negotiating but did not reach an agreement on licensing terms with Disney. The studios and the movie theaters have been at odds over simultaneous releasing on streaming services. It's something that happened during the pandemic when movie theaters were closed. Um, movie theaters in a lot of states are now being gradually allowed to reopen. Some states, they're, they're open fully. In, in some places, though, uh, like in New York City, they're just opening up, but only at 25 percent capacity. And guys, this is going to be something where we probably see a lot more negotiation that's taking place because for, for so long, the movie theaters had the upper hand in this. They got to show it for the first 90 days, no matter what. Even if they decided to pull it out of the theaters, um, the companies couldn't do anything about it. The film companies couldn't do anything about it. Obviously, um, it's changed in terms of who has the upper hand in this, and we're going to see how this plays out. Yeah, and consumer behavior obviously has been conditioned differently now through the pandemic. So we got to see what the new yeah. normal is going to be in terms of these uh, these releases. We watched it. We watched it at home on Friday night. We're so desperate for new con con uh, content that we paid. <laughs> we watched it. And worth it. It was good. The kids yeah. all liked it. Everybody watched it, even the the eighteen year old. It went all the way up. It's good to hear. Would you pay more, Becky? This was this is the, to me. This is the fundamental question. If it was yeah. fifty bucks. So what's the, uh, what's the upper that's getting, limit? You, you know, that's getting up there. That's that's getting up there. If it's 50 bucks and I have the choice to go to the movie theaters and right. if at that point we have our vaccines, that'd be a different story. Right now, none of us have the shots. So, yeah, I'd, I'd pay more for it right now, but not eventually, you know. Yeah, we'll see. That, we to me, that's the interesting part when they get the pricing to match or get closer. And I suspect they're going to have yeah. to try to do that to try to push people in the theaters since there's more money for them in terms of margin, ultimately, I think. Yeah. But maybe actually there, there may not be as much margin for them because one's direct to the consumer and one they have to share with the theater. That's so. right. Yeah, they don't get the 100% right. of the box office. So. Next on Squawk Pod, the first over-the-counter COVID test to receive emergency use authorization from the FDA. Q Health CEO and his vision for at-home health. The costs are enormous for having COVID. So being able to prevent spread, everybody benefits. Your payer, your insurance company, your employer. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. A breakthrough now in COVID testing at home. The FDA granting emergency use authorization for QHealth's rapid COVID test, making it the first uh, molecular test for COVID-19 authorized for at-home use without a prescription. Joining us right now, first on CNBC's QHealth uh, co-founder and CEO, Ayub uh, Kadik. Uh, it's great to see you this morning. We've been following your story uh, since uh, the beginning uh, last last winter and into spring. And now uh, this device uh, is available uh, for the public. 
How easy is it to get? I've now demoed it. I should say I have it uh, right here. This is the box you put it in. It's almost it's very easy to do. Um, but but tell us how expensive this product is ultimately going to be now uh, and how available it'll be. Yeah. So as you said, on on Friday, the FDA announced that they've um, authorized our product. It's the first ever over the counter molecular test. Uh, molecular means uh, it's on par with the central lab testing techniques. So the accuracy is is on par um, for both symptomatic and asymptomatic people. And, you know, for the first time, this is like having a, a, a lab in the palm of your hands. And, and this is a this really is a breakthrough. Um, you know, we're, we're really excited about trying to catalyze a shift from centralized health testing model which hasn't you know, been the, the best um, and being able to have this paradigm shift towards making a more accessible, convenient, easy to use um, healthcare system. And, and, and this will lead the way. Okay, so tell us how, how much is, is the box gonna cost? This is, this, this is the box here that you actually uh, put the, the test into and I can, I'm gonna open this. I'm gonna do it in front of everybody so we can see how it works. How much is this gonna Great. cost? So the, um, I, So I open it up here like this. But just, but just so everyone sees, sees what it is, you get this at home, you take this, this is a little, little, this is the little box that uh, you're going to put it, put your nasal swab in. I won't do the stuff it attaches to your phone, but then you're going to put it up your nose. Everyone can watch me put it up my nose. But, but do, as I said, uh, tell, tell us how much is this going to physically cost people? Yeah. So the, the um, right now we're distributing, um, we've, we have this contract with HHS and DOD where it was a $500 million contract where we scaled up our manufacturing. We're uh, onshoring our entire supply chain and we're starting to really produce uh, large numbers. So we've delivered several hundred thousand tests to the HHS and DOD uh, on, on the way to 6 million tests. It's being used in nursing homes. It's being used in K through 12. It's being used in fisheries and as soon as we're uh, through that, we'll start to deliver more to um, consumers. So, hey, you're, you're killing me because I, I demoed the thing. I'm talking about it on the air, and you're not telling us what the cost is. And then I want to talk about the efficacy of it. Yeah. So the 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 cost on, for the test is it's going to be um, you know we haven't announced pricing. It's going to be uh, comparable to other tests. Um, and honestly, over time, we hope that insurance companies pay for it. The costs are enormous for having COVID. And, um, and so being able to prevent spread that everybody benefits your, your payer, your insurance company, your right. employer. So ultimately we want to make it free. And in the meantime, it's going to be, um, you know, comparable to other test pricing. So Ayub, I'm going to show everybody how it's very easy to use, but while I'm talking, I want you to talk about the efficacy issue. Cause the question I actually have for you is I know that it's comparable to a then here's the question. Is it comparable to a PCR test, which is the gold standard, or is it comparable to a rapid PCR test, which is good, but if we're being honest, not great? It's much more comparable to a PCR test. Mayo Clinic actually did an independent clinical validation of this. They published the, the results in a peer-reviewed journal uh, last month, and they showed 98% uh, comparative accuracy to central lab PCR testing. And I want to note that this was nasal swab, which is lower part of the nose, right. as you showed. So you take it like this. Pharyngeal. You swab it. Everyone gets to see me putting up my nose. You do it up your nose on both <laughs> sides like this, That's right. like this. Then you take it like this. You stick it in here. And then 
you take the, the box, which has to be plugged in, or actually it has a battery. You stick it in here, and then 20 minutes later on your phone, you get the result. Anyway, Becky's got a that, question Andrew, for you. That was that was like your Katie Couric colonoscopy moment. We got to watch. Um, <laughs> that's, that's how it happens. Pretty easy, though. I will say that looked painless. Um, Ab, let me just ask you, you said it's 98% comparable based on what the Mayo Clinic did to other testing. But if I am pre or asymptomatic, what is the efficacy rating if I do this today? Yes, yeah, so for the, the data that was uh, published by the FDA for, the, um, for our product insert, uh, it was showing around 97% sensitivity across the board, 100, um, over 99% specificity. And it was also showing that out of the set of asymptomatic people, we caught all, all 10 out of 10. But what are the false readings on any of those? I only ask because the rapid tests, I mean, they're like 43% accurate. You might as well flip a coin. If I am asymptomatic, if I'm pre-symptomatic and I do this, what are the, what's the efficiency? Yes. Is it 80% effective? Is it- so the, we didn't see a difference in, in um, accuracy between symptomatic and asymptomatic people. So the FDA did authorize it okay. for symptomatic and asymptomatic individuals. And okay. that's why it's OTC. That's great. Over the counter. That's great. So Abe, how quickly, how quickly can folks, I mean, I know you have to get through the, the, the first, it sounds like uh, half a million, million of these or more to the DOD and others, but how quickly are people going to be able to buy these uh, at the store? And is this going to be a bit of a razor, uh, a razor and blades model in terms of uh, you're going to either make the, make the box very cheap and then the, the tests more expensive or how's it going to, how are you even thinking about that? So, it's 6 million tests that we're getting through with HHS and DOD. We're going to be producing 100,000 tests per day, roughly in the in the summer timeframe. Um, we've been scaling up really quickly. We've been building these big factories. Um, in terms of the the, the way that uh, we're thinking about it, we're really thinking about it as, you know, obviously you have the, the reader element and then you have the cartridge. Um, and so the, the concept is that... Um, you'll have this and it's a single platform for many different types of tests. Right now we have Got COVID-19 okay. authorized and we're planning on bringing on a full menu of tests Fair over enough. time. Hey, um, we'd love to follow your progress. Uh, I'm happy to do this again on the air so people can uh, see me put things up my nose, but uh, we got to run, we're at a hard break. So thank you. Okay, thanks. Next time the colonoscopy, Andrew. But I, I do love this. This is great. And I think it's really cool for people who maybe want to see family they haven't seen in a long time. This will give you a quick answer on this. Next on Squawk Pod, author and professor Walter Isaacson is out with a new book, The Codebreaker, CRISPR, RNA, and the third great scientific revolution. These are pretty simple technologies with huge ramifications. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. 
Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. You're listening to Squawk Pod. Here's Becky Quick. Our next guest writes that biotechnology will usher in the next scientific revolution just in time for our fight against COVID-19. Let's welcome Walter Isaacson, Tulane University professor, Perella Weinberg advisory partner and a CNBC contributor. His new book is called The Codebreaker. Jennifer Doudna, Gene Editing and the Future of the Human Race. And his latest piece for The Washington Post details how Doudna's work is critical to the battle against COVID-19. And Walter, first of all, congratulations on the book. It's it's really great. Um, Thank you, Becky. And I am touched by so many things in it. But just the timeliness of this, the idea that you were doing all of this as COVID came about and how much more imperative that has made all of this. Um, Tell us, first of all, just how you got into this, why you chose this. Well, I knew that we were entering a new era of the life sciences where molecules would be the new microchip. We'd be able to code them to do things like tell RNA to make proteins in our cells or tell RNA to edit our DNA. And that type of excitement for me was that, you know, it could transform health in this country, health around the world and the human race. I never dreamed it would be quite as relevant because just as I was writing the book, we get the coronavirus pandemic. And indeed, it's one of these programmed vaccines that's going to save us. And likewise, we're going to be using this technology to make ourselves less susceptible to viruses, to be able to fight viruses directly without even engaging our immune system, to be able to detect things, but also to fight cancer. And then certainly, as you know, Becky, you know, you you and yourself and your family and so many families we know have uh, are affected by people with genetic uh, abnormalities. Those can be easily fixed with this new gene editing technology. You know, Walter, as always, you completely immerse yourself in this and you really show off like how much you know about this. You even learned to gene edit yourself. There have been so many promises about gene editing. And I just wonder where you think how far out that future is, how quickly we get to that point, because I feel like there have been promises for a while, but maybe we really are on the cusp of something right now. By the way, it's already happened. I mean, this past year, just a few months ago, Victoria Gray, for example, a woman who lives in Mississippi, she had her uh, had CRISPR gene editing because she's got sickle cell anemia. She has been cured of it. A lot of blood diseases in certainly in China. Now they're doing cancer, same as in Pennsylvania. There's clinical trials that are already successful on treating congenital blindness. So these things are happening now. Walter, just in terms of of Jennifer Dowda and how you made her so human, just from the very opening where, you know, you see her as a mother first and, and, and somebody who was a little girl learning about all of this going through it. Why is she so critical? Why was she the one, along with her partner, who, who did this? Why, why do you think that happened that way? Well, it's uh, International Women's Day, so we might say that more <laughs> than 60 percent of the people in uh, studying biology or graduate school in biology, or women. Uh, this is a revolution unlike the digital revolution or the physics revolution that seems to be led by women. And as you say, 
uh, Jennifer Doudna, the hero of my book, and her research partner, Emmanuel Charpentier, just became, for the first time, two women won the Nobel Prize in chemistry, two women alone. So uh, to me, Jennifer Doudna was a great sort of hero. There are many, many other players in this book, including the wonderful Fong Zhang at MIT and Harvard, mm -hmm. who was sort of racing with her to do this technology. Uh, but she was a wonderful character because even as a young girl, her dad left on her bed a copy of The Double Helix, James Watson's book about uh, DNA. And she thought it was a detective story. And then when she read it, she realized, well, actually, it is a detective story about the secrets of life. So she decided she wanted to become a scientist. And her school guidance counselor, she was growing up in Hawaii, said, no, no, girls don't become scientists. And yet she persisted, and she uh, became the person who was able to understand the structure of RNA, especially how it replicates itself, which means it's the beginning of life on this planet. Now, everybody else was thinking DNA was a cool molecule and RNA was just some, you know, step cousin or something. But as we've learned from this coronavirus crisis, it's RNA that actually does the work. The DNA just sits in our nucleus and curates information. But RNA goes out and does things like build proteins in our cells or guide enzymes to chop up our genetic code. And so she comes up with this great breakthrough. But the other reason I chose her is that she had a nightmare after she discovered this new technology, which was that Hitler called her in and said, I want to learn how to use it. And so she becomes the person leading the discussion on should we be using these technologies. So through her life and through her friends and her colleagues and her rivals and her competitors, I'm able to uh, try, I hope, to personalize this adventure story of people who've created this new technology that will allow us to uh, rewrite the human race if we want to. You do spend a lot of time on the ethics of, of whether that should happen. Should we be able to do things like if we want green eyes or if you want your children to be taller, if you want them to be stronger? Should we be able to program for things like that? What, what's your answer? Well, first of all, I don't give a simple answer in the book because I think we all have to go hand in hand on this slope, which can be slippery unless we do it cautiously, and say, okay, let's figure it out. So I work with the reader, with Jennifer Doudna, many other people, and say, let's look at some case studies, clearly in the case of sickle cell anemia, or for that matter, the cases of Huntington's, Tay-Sachs, cystic fibrosis. You want to be able to edit. You especially want to be able to edit in a living patient who can give consent. Where it gets very uh, difficult is when you're doing unborn children, when you're doing reproductive cells or embryos, because those edits will get passed down to all descendants. They'll become part of the human race. And not now, but in the next couple of decades, we'll be able to do things like certainly increase height or eye color or muscle mass or memory, those type of things. And I think there are certain rules we want to do myself, but uh, I urge the reader to say, come with your own conclusions, because we shouldn't leave this to the scientists or politicians. But for me, you'd pretty much draw a line between fixing bad genetic disorders and health problems. That should be permissible. But when you get into the realm of starting to enhance children, to make them taller or change their hair color, hair color for non-medical reasons, I think that's where we should resist going. Walter, you um, became so comfortable with this while you were doing this um, that you actually told us last year you signed up to be an early 
um, in the early test trials for the uh, Moderna and Pfizer. I think, was it Pfizer that Pfizer, you did or Moderna, Pfizer. but one of the mRNA, so Pfizer, one of the mRNA uh, COVID vaccines that were out there because you had such faith in the science. Um, did you ever find out, were you somebody who was given the actual vaccine or the placebo? I was given the placebo, but now I've gotten the real one because uh, they switch you over after six months. And also, I hate to say it, I'm over 65, but uh, I was <laughs> kept blind during the study. But you're right. I believed in it because it's a very simple type of vaccine. People get intimidated by things they don't understand. But just like CRISPR technology, the gene editing technology, these are very simple things. This is just a snippet of RNA in the case of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines that goes to the region of your cell where you build proteins and says, here's a recipe for building part of the spike protein. You're not building the whole virus. You're not going to get the virus. But a little bit of that spike protein will prime your immune system to save you. Likewise, with the gene editing technology, I did it in Jennifer Doudna's lab. It took two days with two graduate students. I could edit human cells. Now, don't worry. We mixed it with chlorine and flushed it down the drain. I didn't unleash anything <laughs> on the human race. But these are pretty simple technologies with huge ramifications. It's amazing. Um, Walter, it's a great book. We want to really thank you for being with us, everybody. It's called The Code Breaker. Walter, thanks for your time this morning, and congratulations. Thank you so much, Becky. That's the show for today. Thank you for listening, as always. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to rate this podcast wherever you listen. If you like what you hear, you want more, or you just want to say hello, write a comment or send us a tweet at Squawk CNBC. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.